Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard. Once you have located your seat, we ask you that you please step out of the aisle so the passengers behind you can pass you. This will expedite our boarding process. Your large carry-on items need to go in the overhead compartments. Your smaller ones underneath the seat in front of you, keeping all exits and aisles clear. If you need assistance, please contact the flight attendant. Hello, hello, hello. God, don't you all just love those sounds of the airplane? <laughs> uh, welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast, where we explore the adventures, perspectives, and philosophies of world travelers. I am your host, Lee Thornquist, and thank you for listening. Real quick, before I introduce today's guest, if you've listened to past episodes or if you enjoyed this one, please write a review on Apple Podcasts, either through the app or iTunes on your computer. I really enjoy reading your feedback, and reviews also help new people discover these conversations. If you need a step-by-step guide on how to do this, go to edgeofcomfort.com forward slash podcast dash review. Okay, people, if you are listening to this, I'm assuming that you've spent hours and hours scouring the internet for good deals on flights, and maybe not too successfully. Someone has probably told you at some point in your life that Tuesday is the best day to buy flight tickets, or maybe now it's Saturday or Wednesday, or who knows at this point. You've probably seen airfare that seems too good to be true, and then you go back to check on it 30 minutes later, and it seems to disappear. Or you may have many other unexplainable or frustrating experiences with trying to book flights. On today's episode, I talk with Scott Keys, who is the co-founder and CEO of Scott's Cheap Flights. Scott is here to help us debunk some of these rumors and help explain some of the different details and secrets and clear up some of the confusion around finding and booking cheap flights. Scott's Cheap Flights is not a travel agency or a search engine, but a membership service that alerts you through email every time crazy flight deals pop up. Basically, they have a team of people all around the world who are constantly finding these cheap flights, and when they do find these fares, they email them out to all the members along with departing cities, destinations, dates, how long they expect the deal to last, and how to book. I include an example of what these look like on the blog post if you want to check that out. And I've received their emails for the last few months and can definitely attest to the fact that they find some insane deals. Unfortunately, I'm not in a place to travel all around the world right now, so I've just had to watch at them and, and marvel at the uh, some of the deals instead of booking. But um, to date, they have helped members save over $100 million on airfare, which is pretty incredible considering it's only been a public service since about 2015. Scott started the service back in 2013, after finding a round-trip deal from New York City to Milan for $130. He started sending out similar deals to his friends, who asked him, how did you find such an insane deal? Um, Eventually, these people added their own friends, and this grew to a point where he had a lot of people he was sending emails to, and he realized that he had something special. And I'll let him explain more of this story, which he does pretty quickly in our conversation. Scott has traveled to 45 countries, 45 U.S. states. 
He's lived in Mexico, Mozambique, Chile, all over the U.S., and currently lives in Portland. He was also featured on Entrepreneurs' 50 Most Daring Entrepreneurs of 2017. This list also included people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. So not too bad of a company to be around. In our conversation, we talk about how Scott's Cheap Flights grew from just a few people to over 1.6 million members, why they currently primarily focus on international travel instead of mainland U.S. domestic flights, whether there are still best days or times to book flights, and if the Tuesday rumor is still true, how we as consumers can use tools and other resources to find great deals, some cardinal sins of booking flights and easy mistakes to avoid, along with what more people should know about the airline industry and bookings, and much, much more. If you aren't already receiving Scott's Cheap Flights emails, I highly recommend signing up. They have both the free and premium subscription, um, and if you want to see the details and the difference between these two, go to scottscheapflights.com. You can find full show notes and links to some of the things we reference at edgeofcomfort.com forward slash EOCP23. That's the numbers 2-3. You can also watch our conversation in the video on the blog post or on Edge of Comfort's YouTube page. And finally, make sure to stick around at the end for the question of the episode. Thank you so much to Scott for sharing his story and insights into cheap flights. Thank you for listening and flight crew please prepare for takeoff good morning what's all the commotion wow are banana fish big same same but different if I can't scuba, then what's this all been about? Welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast with your host, Lee Thornquist. All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining today. We're here with Scott Keys, the co-founder of Scott's Cheap Flights. Scott, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me, Lee. Appreciate it. Yeah, great to have you on. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, um, and I've actually been on your guys' email list for a few months, and I love what you're doing, but at the same time, I kind of hate it because every day I'm getting awesome deals, and I want to go on all these trips, and I'm not in a position right now to be flying all over the world, so oh, it's a, a love-hate relationship, but it's can, incredible. Just Can so- I ask out of curiosity how you, how you found out about the list? Yeah, so one of my friends told me about it. Um, I've I did some backpacking in Asia last year, and I was back and was talking with him, and he was trying to get over to Thailand, and he's like, "Yeah, I just signed up for this this email site type thing called Scott's Cheap Flights," and he was showing me some of the deals, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I got to get <laughs> on that." So, but um, I do want to talk about that specifically a little bit more, but. Before we do that, can you tell me about flying around the world in seven days? I saw there was a video that you literally around the world seven days for under a thousand euros. 
Yeah, so it's this like uh, uh, kind of fun little campaign I did with uh, Dockers, the pants, because uh, uh, for whatever reason, life destined me to be a pants model at one <laughs> at one point in time. And so they're like, yeah, what if we did a cool video where it's like you traveling around the world in a, in seven days uh, under a thousand euros, like thousand bucks, give or take, uh, in a single pair of pants. So you know, like. That sounds crazy and wild and awesome. And so I said, yes. And then this is kind of like, God damn it. This is going to be like a single, like one week going around the entire world. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to have like 36 hours in each, in each stop. And then back on a plane, it's going to be a night, like the jet (laughs) lag alone. And so I was actually kind of dreading it for a while. Like, Oh man, this is just going to be like a horrendous week. And so much of life and happiness is just about expectations. So the fact then, uh, like, I went from like, oh, this sounds awesome, to like, oh no, this sounds terrible, and then you know it ended up kind of somewhere in the middle. Like, it, you know, it, was, it, it exceeded my expectations. It was fun. Like, it was memorable. It was a lot. It was a lot more fun to uh, uh, to have done it than to do it. But uh, 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 but I, I had a really good time. You know, and I went to some places that I'd never been to before. So I had a good time, yeah. Yeah, where were your stops that you went to? I think the first one, I believe, was it New York to London? Uh, not 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 New York. So we, uh, they, the like, Vito team flew out to, to Portland first. And then we went to, um, from there over to London. Then we went over to New Delhi, to uh, uh, then to Hong Kong. And then back to uh, back to the U.S. So it was a veritable tour of of uh, old British colonies. You know, that <laughs> had the U.S. Obviously, the U.K. itself, India, Hong Kong, back to the U.S. Jeez. So did you feel like you got to see enough of the place? I mean, that's such a quick stop in each place. Oh, like... No, not at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, you're like it wasn't there. I like it wasn't it wasn't so much like a sightseeing tour. Yeah. Uh, um. And it was a very like different way of traveling than I'm usually used. You know, I'm usually used to really kind of like, um, uh, very ad hoc, very kind of figuring out bus schedules just as we get off the plane and like, oh shit, do we have anywhere to stay tonight? Like, have we booked any hotels or Airbnbs? Whereas this was much more like we land someplace and then there's like a hand, like some local handler who like meets us, you know, with the like little ipad at the right at the like exit of the airport you know to take us to like the 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 van and everything it's a very sort of i don't want to say pampered but much more like celebrity lifestyle than i'm really used to (laughs) in my life so i don't know it's fun to to play pretend for a week yeah not the uh the typical backpacker lifestyle (laughs) exactly exactly yeah so when did like travel become such an important part of your life and when did Scott's cheap flights come into this? You know, had I know you've been to I think forty five countries. You know, were a lot of these before even starting Scott's cheap flights, or did they kind of happen at the same time? And because you started finding all these great deals, you started traveling more. Like, talk to me a little bit about your traveling experience and the integration with Scott's cheap flights. It's a great question. You know, so. I'd always been really intrigued by the idea of getting to go visit a lot of places. But, you know, look, one of the lessons that you learn very early on is if you want to get outside 
of North America, if you want to go outside US, Canada, you got to get on an airplane. Like there's no real other way to do. I mean, yeah, you could take like a Caribbean cruise or something, but I don't know. Most places in the world, if you want to go, you got to fly to. And so when I got out of college, my uh, uh, first job, my career actually for a number of years was as a, uh, as a journalist. And I loved being a journalist. It was great. I like, there are many ton of things I learned from that. One of the things that you like people go into journalism for a lot of good reasons. And one of those reasons is certainly not uh, uh, massive compensation because it is just, you know, it's not a terribly lucrative industry. and so because I was in here, you know, in this industry, I really wanted to travel, but I also looked at my bank account and there were, you know, very few zeros in there. I, I was like, man, I um, need to find a way to like, to, you know, to thread this needle. And so that way of being able to still try to travel while, while not having uh, uh, much of a bank account was to get really good at travel hacking. So everything from figuring out frequent flyer miles, figuring out credit cards, figuring out churning, but also figuring out like, damn, when I'm, when I'm going to buy a flight, when I need to pay for a ticket, what are all the steps that I can take to make sure that I'm not paying more for that ticket than I have to, you know, nobody wants to feel like a sucker. Nobody wants to feel like they paid more than the guy sitting next to them. Um, so I got really kind of good at those you know, just rabbit holing into all the like researching and trying stuff out, tips and tricks. And it all sort of then culminated in 2013 when I found the best deal that I've still to this day ever gotten in my life, which is nonstop from New York City to Milan for 130 bucks round trip. <laughs> and it, 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 it was incredible. I, I, I still can't believe I got that flight. Uh, when I got back from that trip, all my sorts of friends and coworkers kept coming up to me. Hey, Scott, I heard about that great deal you got. Can you let me know about that next time you find it so I can get in on it too? And, you know, look, I wanted, I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I like, I, I love helping friends. I don't, when I find a cheap flight, I don't want to just keep it to myself. But I was also like, man, I'm not going to be able to remember every single person I need to tell about this. Why don't I just start a simple little email list and that way I can let everybody know at once, you know, just click one button, it goes out to all the recipients. So that's what I did. And for the next, I don't know, 18 months or so, it's just a hobby that I like to do in my, in my free time for my friends. And it wasn't until, gosh, yeah, 18 months later, give or take like mid 2015, that the list had grown large enough, about 5,000 people, you know, went from a few dozen friends, everybody just, they would tell their friends, you know, just like your friend told you, people, People are, are, are awesome. You know, when they, they find something they like, they want to tell their friends, about, oh, I know you love to travel. Hey, you, sh- you should check out this list. You should get on it. And uh, uh, so then by August 2015, there are 5,000 people on it. And it was time to realize, like, man, I wonder, like, there's clearly a big demand for this. I wonder if there's a business opportunity here. And so it's at that point that I kind of started to think about it, lo- relaunched it as an actual business started to, to step away a little bit from the journalism career and into the newfound, newfangled career of, of uh, a cheap flight expert. Yeah. So when you did take that first kind of step to say, hey, maybe there's a business opportunity here and I want to explore this as potentially more than a hobby, you know, what were you going in? Like, what was your mindset going in with that? What were your areas of focus for growth and trying to get the word out? Because I imagine one of the most powerful is just word of mouth, like you said, 
But when you started to focus on that much more seriously, you know, where was your head at with that and trying to get the word out more? The where, where my head was at was the biggest, uh, I was essentially just worried. And the reason why I was worried was again, coming up through the journalism world, one of the biggest sorts of challenges that I saw places facing was as the internet became more popular, everywhere started just putting all their content online for free, which I think was great. Like I liked being able to read all those articles and get everything for free and not have to pay a subscription. But at the same time, I mean, hell, they were hemorrhaging money. Like they was not a sustainable business model. And then so seeing a bunch of newspapers and newsrooms then try to claw back and say like, hey, we, you know, users, we had given you all this content for free for a long time. How would you actually consider now paying for this? And that sort of like psychological shift that people make from when they used to get something for free and are now being asked to pay for it is very powerful and very difficult. And so in my mind, that was like a really, really difficult thing to try to surmount here. Like, how do I get these lists of 5,000 people who had been getting these deals for free for the last 18 months, how do I ask them to start paying for it in a way that people are actually gonna do? You know, they're, they're used to getting it for nothing and now I'm asking for something. And so I set a really, really low price point to begin with, and, you know, two bucks a month. I was like, okay, I want this to be so trivial of an amount that it's just a question of, does, is, can I get this person to pull out their credit card? Like, can I, I get them to make a categorical shift in their mind from, yeah, I'm willing to like put a, a, a tiny amount of money, but an amount of money towards this rather than rather than nothing. And that was sort of a test in my mind was like, will people value this enough that that it's a sustainable business model that people are actually willing to pay for it? I had no idea when I first started out if it would work or not. This type of thing hadn't really been done before. Uh, uh, but, you know, lucky, lucky for me, it did like enough people. Uh, I needed 25 people in the beginning to sort of cover my expenses to pay two bucks a month. Uh, I think I ended up getting like 125 in the first month. So it's like, wow, like I made 200 bucks profit that first month. I was like, this is amazing. Like I got this. And you know, and then it just kind of like kept growing and growing from there. People would tell their uh, uh, other folks, like it's a nice scalable business in a way that it doesn't require me to make extra widgets when more people sign up. It's just, you know, the same deals going out to either a thousand people or 10,000 people or a million people. Like, like it, it, it's not really sort of extra work on the, the finding the deal and sending the email side. So in that sense, it's scalable. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, uh, uh, it, 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 that was like my biggest fear early on was just, are people willing to actually pay for this type of thing? Um, turns out they were. Yeah. So at what point did you need to bring in other people to help, you know, when you hired other employees and you're like, okay, this is actually taking off a little bit more and we need some extra people to help out with this. Yeah. So a couple months in, uh, I was just, I was drowning in work. Like I, I just had way too much to do. You know, I, I don't have a background in like business or entrepreneurialism or, or stuff like that. So I was also just figuring so much of this out as I went along. And so, uh, Somehow, uh, like a a a, a guy, uh, this entrepreneurial guy had started a blog, wanted to interview me for it, um, and we had a 
like a nice conversation that just really kind of clicked with one another. Um, and so it's at this point, it's like, man, okay, I really need some help. Like I could really benefit from having a co-founder, but how does one go about, like, let's say you have a business, you just start one up. How do you go about finding a co-founder? Like, like you could, <laughs> you know, sit there, you can try to network, you can interview people for, for months and months. You can ask, you know, tons and tons of stuff around, try to find smart people. It's like, yeah, I could do that. Maybe like, maybe it would have success, but there's not, there's really no guarantee that it's going to be more, any more successful. Or I've got this guy right here who I just had a nice chat with on the internet. And it's like, <laughs> well, maybe he seems nice. And like, look, it seems, it sounds super foolhardy in retrospect, but at the same time, like, you know, I got a really, really good vibe from him. It's, his skill set seemed to really complement mine. And it's also like the business was very, it wasn't really risking anything at the time, you know, I mean, and there were a few hundred subscribers. So I was bringing in, you know, at most like a thousand bucks a month. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything like it wasn't nothing, but it wasn't a, anything life changing at that point. So I figured like, look, if this doesn't end up working out, not, a, you know, no huge loss. Like it wasn't like if, if it were today, if the company were to collapse, like that would be a really kind of big loss. Um, so I, I, I emailed him. He, it was, very serendipitous timing that he was looking for kind of a new project, new venture and came on board. And it was, it things just really kind of took off from there because like I, our skill sets were very complimentary with one another. You know, he had excellent, like I brought, you know, I'd really good, like I, for finding flight deals for like writing them up in email for sort of like uh, kind of public face talking about like the sort of subject matter expertise. And he was really good at the sort of business side of stuff, the, uh, 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 building the actual business, the website, like, like how, what should we be doing about these folks? How should, how much should we be charging all those types of questions where, where it, it's frankly just a little bit over my head. And so we really kind of jived with one another, went off really well from there. And then gosh, like three or four months after that, I think we brought in our first, uh, uh, customer advocacy, uh, um, uh, person and then brought on additional flight searchers. And, and nowadays there's gosh, 40 people or so on the team. It's getting kind of out of hand, uh, uh, how, how big and how fast it's growing. But yeah, I mean, from, you know, three and a half years ago is just me. A couple months later is me and Brian. And nowadays there's like 40 people on the team. It's pretty wild. That's incredible. And you guys are 100% remote, right? 100% remote, uh, 100% bootstrapped. Um, yeah, we, you know, there's no Scott Street Flight's headquarters. I, I founded the company in a in a coffee shop in Denver. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, a couple months after that, moved up to Fort Collins, an hour north of there, and nowadays uh, uh, moved out to the West Coast. And so, like, yeah, you know, the idea of having a headquarter that's then like following me a is kind of silly given my life trajectory, but also B from a hiring perspective, like, look, yeah, traditionally places want to have a headquarters, but a they're expensive. Like it costs a lot to keep the lights on, find office space to rent and everything like be how I, you know, I certainly sure as hell didn't want to move to like Bay area and pay those <laughs> exorbitant prices. But then C it's like when you have an office or a headquarters, you have to hire people who live nearby there for them to come in. So it's like the talent pool that you're searching from when you have a headquarters has to be like, okay, I can only scout out people who are really good at, at whatever we're looking for and who live within like 10 miles of me 
or we could build this entirely remote company where we can scout people who are really good at what they do and live anywhere in around the entire world. And so that ended up kind of benefiting at us really uh, uh, significantly that people could be anywhere around the world. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool business model. And especially when, I mean, your business, you're getting flights from every single continent except Antarctica. But, mm-hmm. you know, so you to have those people all, all around the world and looking for those in their own countries, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Scouts Cheap Flights and kind of like what you guys do and how you do it. Because I think, you know, people listening to this probably want to know, okay, how am I going to actually get a cheap flight? Or, you know, how are you able to do this? So mm. my first question on this is like, why do these fa- like really good fares even happen? Mm. Like, especially mistake fares? Because, you know, are the airlines controlling these directly at all times? Like, how are... How are you able to get a flight from New York City to Milan for $140 round trip? Like, why mm-hmm. do these happen day after day, and how are you able to find them? Yeah. So uh, there are a few different categories of cheap flights, and by far the best ones, like the cheapest ones, are mistake fares. Um, and mistake fares, like the name, are essentially when an airline mistakenly sells a ticket for way less than they meant to. Uh they did not mean to sell me that hundred that that ticket to Milan for one hundred thirty dollars. Like they, my best guess is that they meant to sell it for thirteen hundred dollars and left a zero off at the end when somebody was just typing it in. But there's any number of things that can cause a mistake fare. It can be you know a fat finger discount or literally just human error. Somebody puts in plugs in the wrong price. It can be like a currency conversion thing where. It just doesn't translate like, like something got mixed up uh, in the currency conversion or it can be a partner kind of mistake where, look, when you go to United.com, you can book flights, not just on United, you can book flights on you know, Lufthansa, on Lot Polish, on Avianca, like all these different partner airlines. Sometimes the price gets like misread or mixed up in translation between, between you know, two companies who, are, are, who each have their own pricing algorithms. Sometimes it can just be like an overnight current, like currency devaluation. So in Myanmar, like a decade ago, there was a point where they basically over devalued their currency in a significant way overnight. And so all of a sudden, like tickets that had been $8,000 in first class to fly from the U.S. to, to Yangon, all of a sudden was now like $800 or even less to fly in first class over over there. And so like, Look, these thing these things happen. Uh, mistakes happen. That's why they put erasers on pencils. And uh, uh, but the thing is, most of the time when they do happen, if you're one of the lucky few people who buy that ticket before they fix the mistake, chances are that the airline is going to honor it. Like eighty percent, eighty five percent of the time, the airlines do end up honoring those mistake fares. Uh, so. Because they don't la- because they're extremely valuable, you know, $130 flight to Milan, round trip, nonstop. But because that flight is not that availability of that fare is not going to last very long, finding out about it as early and as quickly as possible is really key to be able to get it before it disappears. You know, that $130 flight is not around for days and days and days. That was around for like three or four hours. And so that's kind of the premise of what we do is like, look, we're constant we're always looking, we're always searching when those deals pop up, 
We want to let our members know about it so that they can get it before it disappears. So there are times when the airline will not honor that, like they're not required legally to honor it. And, you know, it's, I think there actually one was one deal recently that the airline came back and was like, this is a mistake. If you bought it, we're going to not honor it. Like why, I guess, why would an airline honor it as opposed to being like, Hey, that was a mistake. You have to buy it at the normal price. Mm, Good question. Um, reason why is that it tends to be really bad publicity. If all of a sudden, if Delta goes around and, you know, all of a sudden just starts canceling thousands and thousands of people's mistake, uh, all thousands and thousands of people's tickets. Like, look, we live in, it's 2019, everybody's social media. Like that is a horrendous (laughs) PR problem for Delta that everybody is out there is all of a sudden going on trashing them. Like, I, you know, like fuck Delta. I can't believe they they like canceled my ticket. I was I'll never fly them again. Like that's really really bad press for the airline. At, on the flip side, if you have thousands and thousands of people who are super hyped to fly your airline and super thankful, oh my god, thank you so much, Delta. I can't believe I'm gonna get to go take my my bucket list trip to to Rome for, you know, $200. I've never thought I could afford this. Like that is incredible publicity. Like you can't buy that, that, that level of goodwill for not only from customers, but, but again, from social media, they're telling all their friends and everything. Nobody, nobody books a $130 flight to Milan and keeps it a secret. <laughs> like everybody, you know, people are going to brag about that. So airlines kind of make a, a little bit of a calculation in their mind. Like we, yeah, they're going to lose some money on that mistake fare, but it's probably worth it for the actual good publicity. And then on the flip side, it's probably, we probably would lose more money in brand value from everybody being pissed off at us than we would gain back from, from not selling those mistake fares. So I think that's the general sort of calculation that airlines tend to make. It used to be the case until about 2015 that airlines were actually, in the US at least, were actually required to honor mistake fares. That is no longer the case um, that they're required to honor them. What is the case though is that if they if they sell a, a fare, somebody books it and then they make like you know non-refundable. Let's say you book a mistake fare to uh, Kenya and you make a non-refundable uh, safari reservation or something, and then Delta comes back and cancels your ticket, like. They, you, you're not out that money for the safari. They actually are liable to, uh, 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 to reimburse you for any non-refundable expenses. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's so confusing about just flying in general, like who's liable for what. And if something happens or flights canceled, like just all the loopholes you seem to have to kind of jump through in order to actually get your refund or, I don't know. I think that's some kind of intimidating to people. Mm. And if that does happen, most people are just like dealing with that's almost more of a hassle than just paying and taking that loss. Like mm-hmm. how are these things always changing? Like how are you guys keeping up on these rules and regulations and just following all the different nooks and crannies of the airline industry? So the Europe does it really, really well where the, when there's a sort of, uh, uh, irregular operations, you know, there's a big delay or cancellation or something happens like that. Um, the impetus and the onus is actually on the airline to reimburse all the, all the, the, the passengers. 
uh, in the U.S., it's it's always on the passenger. Um, like you have to be the one to advocate for yourself. Um, I mean, typically, you know, look if if there are different categories of what is when you're liable for or or when you're you're uh, uh, due compensation and when you're not. So like, if there's a big uh, uh, delay or cancellation, it's because of a snowstorm. That's like not considered to be the airline's fault. It's considered an, an act of God, and so you're not due compensation. But if there's a big delay or cancellation because the airline, you know, there was a mechanical error, or like the airline's computers all like like shut down or something, and something where it's the airline that's at fault, and therefore they didn't sort of honor the the contract uh, uh, that you. Agree, like entered into when you bought that fare, therefore you're due sort of compensation to 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 rectify the situation. Um, typically, you know, if you're in one of those situations, typically the best thing is to go directly to the airline uh, and file a complaint. They'll almost always give you some sort of compensation. Uh, you know, if 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 you're in the right. The other area, uh, avenue, though, that a lot of people miss is that. Your credit card oftentimes has a lot of travel protections that you may or may not even know about and, and that you didn't have to like buy into. Or It's not like when you buy a ticket through American and they ask you at the end, do you want to pay $20 to insure your flight or something like that? It's not something where you have to pay for it. It's just automatically included as long as you use the credit card for the full cost of that flight. Um, and again, this varies from credit card to credit card, but it's pretty common that one that credit cards have varying levels of trip protection everything from you know compensation if your flight was uh, delayed or canceled to like compensation if your bag was delayed or canceled or lost or damaged or something like that uh, um, yeah like like looking into those as well like you can end up I've been in situations where uh, uh, a big delay has ended up being like a very profitable, a very profitable day for me just because of the amount of compensation that I was due from, uh, even though it's a cheap flight, like you're still due a lot of money because, because of the airline's mistake. So it can work out. Not always the worst thing in the world then. Yeah, no, so there are a lot of times that there are a lot of times that I hope for it. Like it can be, <laughs> it can be really, uh, really lucrative. <laughs> um, so that kind of be a good lead. And then like, what is another, like something that most people don't really know, whether about the airline industry itself or about booking flights that you really think like more people ought to know and isn't that hard to do or to understand. The biggest thing that I would uh, point to is what's called the 24 hour rule. And this is specific to the United States. Um, whenever you're booking a flight that either from or to or within the U S uh, if you are booking that flight directly with the airline, so not on you know orbits.com, not on priceline.com, but directly with the airline, by law, you are uh, uh, given a 24-hour grace period after you book that where you can cancel that ticket without any penalty, without any fee. And that can actually be a really sort of helpful, beneficial thing, especially in these mistake fare scenarios where time is really of the essence. So if I... Let's say um, I wanted to go on this flight uh, uh, to Milan with my wife, and we we're gonna book. I, I, you know, I saw these flights. Oh, holy shit! It's one hundred thirty dollars. Like, I need to book this. But she's at work, or she's in a meeting, and we can't like quite coordinate our schedules right then. I can actually just go and make this. Like, if I were to wait until this evening when she gets home, and then we like figure out 
hey, when's a, do, you, do you wanna take this flight? When's a good time? Like that yada, yada, yada. Almost certainly that, that fare is going to be gone by this evening. Like those $130 fares do not stick around. So instead, if I sit there and I know in my head, okay, I've got a 24 hour, if I book directly with the airline, I've got a 24 hour grace period. Why don't I just book the flight? Like I can take my best guess of, of whichever week or weekend we, I think we'd want to go. Hell, I could even book two or three of the flight, you know, different weeks, uh, make those bookings. And then I've just locked in that fare for 24 hours and I can, you know, when she gets home that evening, we can look at it together and we decide, okay, yeah, that one in, uh, you know, April and May, those are no good. But that one that you booked in June, yeah, that's perfect. Like, let's keep, let's cancel the April and May ones, get a full refund. The one in June looks great. Let's keep that one. Like that can be a really, really kind of helpful, powerful tool when you find a really great fare that you're not sure is going to last, uh, uh, taking advantage of that 24 hour rule. And so that does only happen booking directly with the flight, or can that also happen through services like Expedia, Orbitz, things like that? So there's a couple a couple nuances here. Um, it is guaranteed by law when you book directly with the airline. The only nuance is that they do not have to honor it if you're within seven days of travel. So if I'm booking a flight for Valentine's Day, you know, it's February 12th today, and we're booking a flight for Valentine's Day, like the airline doesn't have to give me a 24 hour period. Like it can lock in there. But if it's, you know, today's February 12th, if I'm booking after like February 20th or beyond, then I'm due that 24 hour grace period. Um, specific like online travel agencies like, like Priceline, uh, uh have their own 24 hour guarantees. Um, but the 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 difference is that it's not guaranteed by law. And so there's a bit more nuance in the background about like when is the cutoff time? You know, what if they don't respond in time? Like I I think they can be good and valuable and they're they're there's good guides on the internet to taking advantage of them. But it it's um the fact that it is the company's like out of companies like bylaws and policies rather than it being like a legal guarantee gives, I think a bit more weight to when you're booking directly with the airline. Yeah. Okay. And so are there any like huge mistakes or like cardinal sins that you try to avoid at all costs? Or if someone's new to the company or your friends, you're like never, ever, ever book this way or do this when you're booking or checking out, like anything you always try to tell people to avoid. Mm. I mean, probably the, the, the cardinal sin that comes in my mind is uh, a lot of people still have in their head that they can wait till the last minute and that flight, that, that fares will drop in that last like week or two. The thinking being like, oh yeah, the airlines are going to, you know, slash the price a couple days before. Uh, take off because they, as soon as they close the doors, any unfilled seat is just lost revenue for them, which like makes intuitive sense. And it was true like 20 years ago for, for a lot of the airline industry for 20 years ago. But in the past couple of decades, what the airlines realized is that the vast majority of people booking in those, that last week or two before uh, uh, the travel date, before departure date, 
it wasn't leisure travelers. It wasn't folks trying to go on vacation. It was business travelers. And the difference between leisure and business travelers is leisure travelers are very price sensitive. They really care what that flight costs. Business travelers, I don't give a fuck. Like, like <laughs> it doesn't matter to them because they're not the ones paying. Like, it's the company that is paying for that ticket. And that the business travelers, like, you know, their schedules can be really kind of up in the air. Oftentimes, it's just not priority to book until the last minute. So, like, the price in the now in the last week or two actually tends to skyrocket rather than dropping because the airlines are trying to extract as much revenue as possible from the business travelers, even if it means that they have unsold seats on the plane. Like, better they sell one seat for $2,000 than sell five seats for $200. Like, they're going to get more from that one seat than, than from those five. Okay. And so another kind of maybe now myth is, you know, a few years ago you always heard, oh, Tuesday's the best day to buy flights or Wednesday's the best day to buy flights. Is that completely dead now? It is. It is. And that, that, um, that's another one of those that was true a few decades ago but is no longer the case. And the reason why is that um, for – when airlines and, and, and OTAs first started selling tickets online, uh, this was like internet web 1.0, like it was very kind of rudimentary. And so they would load their fares on like once a week or so. Like it would be very, uh, 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 like it was not a dynamic thing like it is today. And so that once a week would be, you know, differ for each airline, like, you know, might be Tuesday at 1 p.m. for some airlines or like Wednesday at midnight. And so that's where this notion came in. It's like you want to check on those airlines or on those OTAs right after they load their fares because they might have like 10 seats available for that cheapest price. And so, you you know, you want to get one of those 10 seats before before they sell out. So that was true a number of years ago. But it hasn't been the true for for at least 20 years. And the reason, well, let's say like at least 10 to 15 years. Um, and the reason why is nowadays, you know, airfare, I mean, it's gone gotten super complex. The algorithms that that determine uh, uh, airfare, what it costs to fly from any given point, and, and, and especially contingent on the routing, is light years more complex than it used to be. And so therefore, like, the prices act actually nowadays, it's not changed. It's not like once a week where the fares are being loaded. Airfare is changing by the hour, if not by the minute. Like it's constantly, constantly pinging around. Um, so there's really no best time of the week or best time of the month or, or best time of the day to book. Like cheap flares can, can pop up really anytime. Okay. And so as a consumer, it's just you know, is it just kind of hit or miss or is it setting up these services that email you like Scott's Cheap Flights or Airfare Watchdog or, you know, is how does this impact the consumer nowadays and do we are at a big disadvantage now for this? Um, I wouldn't say at a big disadvantage because there are a lot of there are a lot of really good things happening. Like right now we are living in the golden age of cheap flights. Like it has never been cheaper to fly from the US over to Europe or over to Asia than it is today. And that's a glorious thing. Like that's really, really, uh, uh, man, I wish it had been this cheap to travel, you know, 10 years ago when I'd just gotten out of college and was, was, was doing a lot of my sort of backpacking days. And because it is so cheap to travel nowadays, like 
it's much more likely that you're going to see one, you know, $350, $400 round trip flight to Europe than you would have. Like you just, those were unheard of uh, uh, 10 years ago. That being said, airfare has gotten much more, much more complex and much more like unpredictable and irrational in terms of when it is, you know, when it's going to drop, like how, like what, whether any given route is going to, to drop or not. Because it's gotten so unpredictable and irrational, like there's two ways I figure to go about it. Like you can either A, spend hours and hours and hours every day searching for flights, trying to find the best deals, hoping that you like happen to, to be there when something really good pops up or it be, you know, outsourcing that, outsourcing that work to us like that, the like that's essentially what we've tried to do is we figure like, look, most people, for most people, a flight is just a means to an end. It's a me- like, it's a necessary thing you have to do in order to be able to travel. But most people don't super enjoy like spending hours and hours and hours on Google flights, on kayak, on Expedia. So for us, we actually, A, weirdly enough, we do really enjoy that, but uh, <laughs> spending all those hours on it. But B, like, because any given deal, you never know when it's going to pop up. We tell people, you know, look, sit back, relax. We will do all the searching. And when those really good deals pop up, we'll send you an alert and let you know. And that way people don't have to think about it. They can go about their day knowing that like, as soon as something really good pops up, we're going to, we're going to ping them and let them know. Uh, 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 and that way that, you know, they know they're not going to miss anything, but they don't have to be like, constantly worried oh shoot should i be doing more should i be searching like as soon as as soon as they're there we're going to find it and we'll let you know and so in your emails you always reference looking on google flights and mamando why are these such great tools and resources for airfare so google flights especially is it's a relatively new uh a flight search engine and the reason why it's so great is is how fast and powerful it is. Like you can go on Google Flights when you do a search on you know on Kayak on Orbitz wherever else. Usually takes I don't know twenty or thirty seconds or so for for all the results to come in. When you do it on Google Flights, it's like that. Like it's super super quick. You know, just like searching on. Uh, uh, I'm probably dating myself here, but like back in the day when you had a ton of different search engines, you know, you go to Alta Vista, you go to Excite, like it could take a while for the results to load, but Google, when you put on, like they would always be like, oh, you know, return 7 million results in like 0.003 seconds or something like that. That is their brand. They're like super comprehensive and super fast. And that's exactly what, what happens with Google flights. Um, the only deficiency that Google Flights has, so it's really, really good at finding, you know, the the sort of cheapest dates, finding like keeping an eye on when really good uh, fares drop. Uh, uh, basically, seeing like, okay, when is when are there cheap flights on any given route, and what is what around does the price look like? But Google Flights doesn't look at a lot of uh, uh, kind of smaller OTAs, what are online travel agencies. And that's where sort of places like Mamondo, places like Skyscanner, places like Kayak tend to really excel a little bit is they're looking at a lot of these smaller OTAs that might um, uh, that sell tickets for less than the airline actually does. And so the price difference can vary. Sometimes it's as little as just a couple bucks. Sometimes, you know, I've seen drops sometimes as low as much as like 
two, three, four hundred dollars on on you know an OTA versus versus booking directly with the airline. So that's why in our emails, what we do is we give people a couple sample search links. Look, we don't take any commission. It doesn't matter to us where people doesn't matter to uh, where people book. It doesn't matter to us if people book. Like we don't get any kickbacks from it. Um, so we just want to keep out keep an eye out for wherever the cheapest flights are no matter where they pop up and give as much information as possible to people so that you know look some people are really comfortable booking wherever that cheapest flight is like, i don't care you know whatever the price like i want to book whatever's cheapest and some people say like, i'm only really comfortable if i'm booking directly with the airline everybody's a little bit different i've done you know both myself and 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 so we want to kind of Give as much information as possible to people and then let them uh, uh, decide from there. Okay. Um, so two questions kind of about the uh, the future of Scott's Cheap Flights. Mm. Um, I know right now pretty much all the deals you guys send out are international travel, at least from the U.S., and mm-hmm. I, you do do some to the U- or to Hawaii, I believe, for premium mm-hmm. members. Mm-hmm. Um, why is is a focus on international travel. I'm, I can't imagine how many people request domestic deals. And, you know, like just this week, my parents were looking at deals to Phoenix from Chicago, and those flights were like $500, which is absurd. You can go to the other side of the world for less than mm-hmm. that. So, you know, why are you focused on international travel? And is domestic an area that could become a focus? And Or is it just do these things just not happen as frequently for U.S. domestic travel? Yeah, so a couple things. You're right. First of all, we do we do search flights t- uh, domestically from the U.S. anyway for, to Hawaii, Alaska, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, places like that. But um, yeah, we don't we don't currently search to uh, like within the lower 48. And the reason why is that a, the number of possible routes is really sort of exponential when you think of every possible. You know, let's say you've got a, 150 different like like medium sized or higher airports in the US. Like each of those airports going to any one of those other airports, like it's a s- massive number. <laughs> like I'm not a, I'm not a math major, but but talking, you know, many many thousands if not millions of possible routes. Um so that's one of the sort of issues the the way that the airfare tends to kind of uh, uh, follow one another tends to be much more piecemeal domestically as well. So like when there's a cheap flight to Phoenix, let's say from Chicago, it might just be that specific route. It might not like it's, it's far less likely to include other sorts of, it's not like there's a big sale to Phoenix from everywhere typically. Whereas for international flights that does tend to uh, come much more often. So like when you know a place like Rome or a place like Tokyo goes on sale, it tends to be from like a lot of U.S. airports or a lot of hub airports. Um, so they tend to kind of like swim in concert with one another, almost like a school of fish that's you know all kind of like moving in the same direction. The last the last piece though is just the amount of savings. Like look, the typical like the normal price it varies a lot depending on specific routes and to specific months and everything, but like. Let's just take a, a, a very high level average. Normal flights from the U.S. over to Europe, let's say like 900 bucks. Normal flights from the U.S. over to Asia, let's say like 1,100 bucks. So because and like a normal domestic flight, let's say like 300 bucks. So it's not like I wouldn't rather save, you know, 
some money on my domestic flights, but like typically that domestic flight is only going to drop as low as like 200 bucks. Like you might save a hundred, which like, yeah, that's great. Like I'd rather get a hundred bucks than not, but like that flight to Europe, that's only 900 when that drops to 400 or 350, you know, you're saving $500 or more. The flight to Asia drops to 400. Like that's, you're saving $700. Like those are flights that I'm like running, you know, stepping on the gas to get home to book or like, you know, calling up my wife, like, Hey, we got to book these flights like right now, waking her up from a nap or something. Whereas when there's a, a, a domestic flight, that's a hundred dollars off. It, like that is not that in and of itself is not going to incent me to book that flight like that that $130 flight to Milan I did wasn't planning on going to Milan it wasn't on my <laughs> radar it wasn't somewhere I had in my mind at all but when a $130 flight pops up I mean hell yeah like of course <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna book that you know over to Europe so it, that's sort of my kind of theory of the case that there that the while the domestic savings are, 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 I would rather have them than not, the amount is categorically different than the potential savings that we're seeing internationally. And so being able, you know, you're, when a normal domestic flight is $300, you literally can't save $500. Like it's, it's literally not possible. Whereas, <laughs> whereas, you know, for flights to Europe, like, yeah, you can save $500. Um, so that's kind of been our, 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 our thinking on that. But, it, but, you know, look, it's a, it's a great question. It's an open matter. You're right. Like a lot of people are really, people take domestic flights more than they take international flights. And so it, it's something that is, uh, uh, weighing in our minds. Okay. And another request I know you guys get, and one of the first emails you receive from you guys, it says like at the bottom that you get a ton of requests for personalized itineraries. Um, but obviously don't have the resources to do that right now because that would be a huge operation, I imagine. Um, is this an area you have thought about more seriously into starting moving into a little bit or something maybe farther down the line when you're at that correct place or right growth? It's, uh, it's hard because we're talking, I mean, we have over a million and a half people on, on Scottsdale flights today. Yeah, which is it's mind blowing. I, I I'm 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 like totally blown away by it. I remember when we were at a tenth of this size, 150,000, or, or frankly even a hundredth of the size, like 15,000? Yeah, at fifteen thousand, trying to field individual requests. And when you're talking about like, you know, each one takes can take anywhere from a couple minutes to like twenty or thirty minutes. Even if a small portion of that 15,000, let's say only like 10% of those have like individual requests at any given time, you know, 1,500 people asking for 15 minutes of your time, that's 22,500 minutes <laughs> divided by 60, 375 hours. That's already two weeks worth of work, uh, <laughs> literally for every single hour of the day. Multiply that times 100 of one and a half million, you know, you can see how it starts to break down pretty quickly. Um, so it's not that I wouldn't love to be able to help people on a very like individual, Hey, where are you looking to go? But, but it's difficult to do on that sort of piecemeal basis. At the same time, that is like really one of our significant goals for this year is to be much more sort of give our members build the tools to give our members the option to be able to set their 
set, like change their settings and their custom or like their customizations in a way that's much more robust than it is today so that they maybe you're someone who's only interested in flights to the UK like they have family there and they only want to go there they they're only interested in flights during uh, uh, June through August because they have kids in school and can't go any other time of year like being able to build that the, that capability is something that we're really working towards that I don't think we'll ever really achieve the exact sort of like fielding requests one by one but working towards that that larger goal of much more sort of like relevant personalized uh, uh, deals and information for folks. Okay. Um, I know we're getting down to the last few minutes here. So um, if you, I've got a few questions for a lightning round we can do, or if you want to uh, answer like your favorite personal story or anecdote that you've heard from a member, maybe Mm. someone being able to do a trip and, someplace or see family or grandparents that really stands out to you in your mind um if you want to maybe answer that one first quickly and then we can do the lightning round all right there was a college course in uh um gosh it's somewhere in utah i can't remember if it was the university of utah or byu um utah state they uh it was an archaeology course they had a trip planned apparently to uh like a summer course where they actually had to take a summer uh, summer trip over to Athens as well, but you know they like did the semester and then in the summer they would go. People hadn't really booked their flights yet because it was like you know it's expensive to get from Salt Lake City to to Athens like twelve thirteen hundred dollars. Uh, I got an email from a professor one night telling me the story, saying like I just had the weirdest experience in my my class. Like I was sitting there giving my lecture and then someone stood up in the middle of my lecture and was like Scott. Or not Scott. Uh, uh, everybody, I just want to let you all know that Scott's Your Flight just sent out a deal from Salt Lake City to Athens for $450. Whoa. And like everybody just pulled out their laptop. Like the professor paused class for 20 minutes so everybody like could book their flights, saved collectively like tens of thousands of dollars on flights. And everybody, you know, was able to take this trip over to over to Athens as a result. So it's one of those like, Wow, that's crazy. That's so awesome. Anyway, yeah, oh, that, one, so that cool. one always sticks out in my mind. Oh, awesome. Cool. All right, we'll do lightning round. Yeah. Um, all right, I know you're a big tea drinker, so what is your go-to tea? <laughs> oh, man, uh, Genmaicha. Genmaicha? Yeah, it's a type of green tea that has toasted rice in it. Uh, it's very sort of unique uh, uh, flavor. A fascinating uh, uh, backstory to it as well. Okay. Uh, country with the best food, Mexico, uh, or Japan. Fuck. Uh, let's go Mexico. Okay. Ah, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mexico, Mexico country with the worst food. Oh man. Uh, you know, actually, man, let's go like, gosh, I'm not going to say specific country, but let's say central America. Okay. Um, yeah, like like Central America, anywhere basically south of of Mexico tends to, it kind of kind of boring, kind of bland, no spice, nah. Okay, um, country you've traveled to that you think is highly underrated? Mm, I think Mexico is highly underrated, but 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 let's vary our answers a little bit here. Uh, I'll go Lithuania. Okay. Um, Worst airline you've flown on, at least maybe an experience or just in general? Um, 
Oh man, I've flown on a lot of airlines, um, <laughs> and I tend I I'm very much like uh, I'm going to try to keep this as lightning as possible. As long as it gets me to point A to point B, I don't care how like swanky or unswanky it is. Uh, um, I definitely do not take air travel for granted. The one thing that stands on my mind though is um, a sandwich that I got on Lot Polish. It's uh, like the National Polish Airline uh, uh, flying back to the U.S. That looked like that sort of uh, a cheese sandwich from the fire festival that like got all that popularity. It was just straight garbage. And yeah, that, that still stands out in my mind. <laughs> okay. Um, average hours per day on Google flights. Oh God. Uh, how many hours are there in the day? These days? <laughs> um, no, I mean for a while it was like legitimately 14. I, as, as the team has grown, there's more people doing searching. So I, I don't have to, I, like I'm spending Less of my personal time on there. Still probably, I don't know, at least a couple hours a day. Okay. Um, and finally, we're right here at the end of our time. So where is the best place for people to find you or reach out if they want to ask another question or just learn more about Scott's Cheap Flights and finding great airfare? Yeah, scottscheapflights.com. Um, you can sign up. It's free to sign. We've got a free list and a premium list. We would be honored to send you cheap flights. We've got all our social links on there, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, don't think we Snapchat, Instagram. Yeah, it's all on there. Uh, yeah, we're, 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 and come join our travel community as well. We, we love, uh, uh, we love like talking coolest places to eat in France, best places to sleep in Tokyo, you know, uh, uh, best, uh, uh, photo taking opportunities in, I don't know, South Africa, like, yeah, it's all it, like we've got a link in in there as well for the the Facebook travel community. Uh, uh, yeah, come join us. We would love to love to talk travel with you. Awesome, cool. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I know we're right here at eleven, so um, I'll let you go and get on with your day and looking at Google Flights. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And uh, you know, if you ever want to hop back on and talk some more, I've got tons of different questions as well. Like uh, while you're on the entrepreneur what was it most fearful most fearless list oh yeah 50 entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah right next to like jeff bezos i think yeah that's a good uh -huh. list to be on uh -huh. man. congrats <laughs> awesome awesome cool. well thank you so much for having me on this was great i appreciate it yeah thank you scott and uh, thank you everyone for listening hope you found some value and find some cheap flights <laughs> cool man take care cool take Talk care to you. scott Hey everyone, Lee here again real quick with the question of the episode, which is, what is the best flight deal you've ever booked? Head to edgeofcomfort.com forward slash EOCP23, that's the numbers 23, and leave your answer or story in the comment section at the bottom of the post. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to reading your answers. Cheers! Cheers!